special day. Let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And we're going to read there. If, you were, if you've been here in previous weeks, you may remember that in the book of Corinthians, uh, we talked about the last chapters. We're talking about the generosity of the church and how the church needed to think beyond materialism and really see the and really see that God gives us things. Not just, we don't bless, it doesn't bless us just so we have blessings, but so that we bless. But in chapter 10, the tone turns, and Paul begins to talk about right theology and right thinking because it always will matter. God cares about the truth, and he cares about us knowing the truth and following him, and not just following what the culture says or what's just popular or easy, but to really follow what God teaches in his word. And so he's going to talk more about that in these next couple of chapters, and he'll talk about people who consider themselves super apostles, some who are boasting in themselves. In fact, just the opposite of John the Baptist. John the Baptist said about Jesus, he said, I'm not worthy, John the Baptist, no greater man born of a woman, the Bible says, than John the Baptist. He said, I'm not worthy to get on my knees and loosen the sandals of Jesus. I'm not worthy to do that. John the Baptist who said, he must increase, but I must decrease. That's not the attitude that we see all the way in the church at Corinth and among especially those who consider themselves these super apostles. And Paul's saying, man, no, our boast is in the Lord and not in ourselves. And here's the principle I want you to get from the passage we're going to read. God wants to use you to make an impact for the gospel. God wants to use you to make an impact for the gospel. Now, I guess when I was younger, I mean, I believed this theoretically that God wanted to use people to make an impact for the gospel. I knew that God wanted to use people. I just never really considered that God wanted to use me. Even after I knew Christ as Savior, I never considered that possibility. And so it was kind of theoretical, and I'm sure it is for many of you. God wants to use people, you know, someone, those people, them. But I want you to see that God wants to use you. When, when it was so, it was revolutionary that God wanted to use me. Whatever career that would mean, if God wanted me to be a coach, you know, I considered maybe that was something had it been to be a coach god wanted to use he would want to have used me in that regard to be to make an impact for him or if god had used me to be a lawyer we don't have enough lawyers and so if god had wanted to use me as a lawyer then great you know i could use that to make an impact for the lord but god whatever it really didn't matter the details even but just to do what god wanted me to do and then to make an impact for his glory because god is god who does it it's not like we would boast and say, oh, look at what the great things we've done. But God works in and through people like you and me. God does that work, and he wants to work through us. So let's go to the text, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm going to read beginning with verse 7 all the way through the end of the chapter. If you're watching online, lean into this, really listen to God's word. If you're here, open your Bibles or follow along. Let's read these verses together. The Bible says, look at what is obvious. If anyone is confident that he belongs to Christ... Let him remind himself of this, just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. For if I boast a little too much about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not for tearing you down, I will not be put to shame. I don't want to seem as though I'm trying to terrify you with my letters, for it, for it is said his letters are weighty and powerful, but his physical presence is weak and his public speaking amounts to nothing. Maybe you felt that way about my public speaking sometimes. Verse 11, let such a person consider this. What we are in our letters when we are absent, we will also be in our actions when we are present. For we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. But in measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves to themselves, they lack understanding. We, however, will not boast beyond measure 
but according to the measure of the area of ministry that God has assigned to us, which reaches, which reaches even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we had not reached you since we have come to you with the gospel of Christ. We are not boasting beyond measure about other people's labors. On the contrary, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry will greatly enlarge so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting about what has already been done in someone else's ministry. So let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. For it is not the one commending himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. So let's note this principle together, that God wants to use you to make an impact for the gospel. And I'm going to talk about four things that remind us God wants to use us. So would you write these four things down, how God wants to use us, reminders that God wants to work in us to make an impact through our lives? Four things that I want you to note with me. Number one, we have ownership by the Lord. Would you just write that down? We have ownership by the Lord. Paul says in verse 7, we belong to Christ. That's a big statement to say we belong to Christ. Or we could say it like this, Christians belong to Christ. Of course, Christians belong to Christ. Paul says, just as he belongs to Christ, so do we. We belong to him. You may remember the Toy Story movies. Do you remember those movies, the original, and then two, and three, and four, and 3D and all the other ways they could make money out of that franchise and they just movie after movie. Do you remember they had a couple of uh, toys that would come to life and uh, especially Woody and um, Buzz Lightyear and do you remember that little kid who owned them? He wrote, their, he wrote his name Andy. He wrote it on the sole of their shoe. Andy he wrote because he was saying you belong to me. And God in heaven when we trust Christ as Savior he writes his name on our soul, the soul of our heart. And he says, you belong to me. You belong to me. And if you know Christ as Savior, you belong to the Lord. Theology teaches us this. We use words that describe this. The word redemption, redeemed. We're redeemed in Christ. The Bible is telling us that we are bought by Christ. He paid the price to own us. And the price, of course, was Jesus' blood shed on the cross of Calvary. Christ took my debt, my debt of sin, and Christ died in my place. And his blood is the price of redemption. And so I, am, I belong to him because in salvation I'm redeemed. Or a word like adoption. Some of you know that my, uh, some of my grandchildren have been adopted into our family, and they're ours. They belong to us. And in adoption, the Bible says, though we were removed from God by sin, far from him, God saves us by the power of Jesus Christ. When we trust Christ as Savior, we aren't just like, God's not just out there somewhere, but God adopts us. He brings us into his family close and calls us his children. Saying Jesus is Lord is a reminder that we belong to him and we are his. And Christian, if you know Christ as Savior, you belong to him. He's written his name on your heart. Not only Christians belong to Christ, but every Christian belongs to Christ. Paul's going to talk about these super apostles who say, listen, we're the, we're the ones who really belong to, the, to Christ. We're the special ones. And man, Paul is saying every Christian, every believer belongs to Christ. Can I just tell you this? You're just as forgiven. If you know Christ as Savior, you're just as forgiven as any other believer in all the world. If you know Christ as Savior, you are just as loved by God 
as any believer in all the world. You are just as accepted as any believer in all the world. And you're still a work in progress, and God is still working on your life. But his forgiveness has already been granted if you know him as Savior. He's already loved you and accepted you. And nothing you do will cause him to love you anymore. He loves you that fully. He forgives you that freely. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, you belong to Christ. Jesus is your Lord, not just their Lord, not just a Lord, but your Lord. And you belong to him. He writes your name, his name on the soul of your life. We have ownership by the Lord. This is a second principle I want you to know. We have responsibilities from the Lord. We have responsibilities from the Lord. This reminds us that God wants to use us. He's given us responsibilities. He owns us. We belong to him. But we have responsibilities. And verses 8 and following talk about these responsibilities. And I want to draw your attention to a word in verse 8 that is a, a hard word for us in our culture to hear. Paul talks about authority and his authority in verse 8 in the church, in the church specifically at Corinth. He said, this is authority which the Lord gave. God has given him authority in the church to be a teacher and an apostle and a pastor in that church. He has authority to teach and to lead and to guide. And the word authority is a tough one for us. We don't, in our sinful nature, with our sinful past, we have a tendency to want to rebel against any idea of authority, even the authority of God in our lives. And we chafe at that. We fight against it. You see it easily. If you've been to a store where you see a parent and a small child, it is not entirely unusual to see that child acting in a way that would make you say, I think that three-year-old runs that home. I think that three-year-old is in charge. And that three-year-old, even at a young age, has decided, I'm not, I know you're the parent and you're telling, trying to tell me what to do. But that little three-year-old, very often, if they're a strong-willed child, any of you who have strong-willed child, children know this well, and all of our children are born like us with a bent towards sin. And so we all have this, we know something of this. And that, that strong-willed child may say, when the parent says, do this or don't do this, that child curls up that little fist and says, you're not the boss of me now. You're not going to tell me what to do. You're not going to have, I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do. You're not, you're not going to tell me what to do. And I, can I just tell you what is obvious parents, what ought to be obvious to us all? Your three-year-old is not equipped to run your home. Your three-year-old is not equipped to, you know, be the leader in the family. They are under your authority. God has placed them under your authority because you know things they don't know and you understand things they don't understand. And so God gives you these responsibilities. God does that in the church and he puts people in your lives who will be your teachers. Man, you, you do all you can to make it a, a joy for them to teach you. He gives you pastors and he gives you deacons and he gives you leaders and he gives you mentors. He gives you disciplers and God does that to our benefit. In fact, I want you to note that it is the Lord. Paul said, the, the Lord gave me this authority to be a leader in your life. And then notice that in verses 8 and following, verses 9 and following, the Bible talks about purpose. Why? Why does God put people of authority in our lives? In verse 8, he says, um, I boast a little too much about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up. There's the purpose, for building you up and not for tearing you down. Paul's saying the purpose that God put me in your life, Corinth, is because God wanted me to help build you up. He wanted to use me 
He gave me a responsibility to help build you up, not to tear you down. It's for your benefit. So let me note three things about the responsibilities God gives and the gifts that he gives. I just note three things. Number one, God gifts us differently. God gifts us differently. He gives all of us different gifts, spiritual gifts. We have certainly different talents and abilities and backgrounds. And God, in his sovereignty, decides to gift, to gift us differently. He did not make us the same. We're not all the same. We're not all teachers. We don't all have, all have the same spiritual gifts. We don't all have the same uh, specific responsibilities. He gives us different gifts. God loves to do that. He loves the variety uh, that he gives to us. We have unity and purpose, but we are varied in talents and backgrounds and abilities and, and spiritual giftedness. And the Bible tells us that God empowers us directly. He empowers us directly. In verse 9, he said, some people think of the letters I write, and they say, well, those letters are powerful, but man, Paul's not much to look at. He's not anything big physically. He's not a great public speaker. And Paul says, listen, God will give me authority so that when I'm in your presence, man, I'm, I'm going to tell you the same truth, and I'm going to be direct with you. Because God does the empowering. Can I just remind you, it's not really, when I talk about responsibilities, it's not really about you anyway. God works in and through you. God gives the power. God's the one who gifts us differently, and then he empowers us differently. And he puts the Holy Spirit in us in salvation, and God empowers us through his Spirit to accomplish his purposes. And then note that God blesses us all accordingly. So we're all the beneficiaries of the fact that God has gifted us differently, given us different talents and abilities. The specifics of our responsibilities are different, though we all have some similar responsibilities. The specifics can be different and we have this from the Lord. So when we recognize that we are owned by the Lord, we belong to Him, and we have responsibilities from the Lord, it reminds us that God wants to use us to impact for the gospel. Now, there's a third principle I want you to get. We have opportunities for the Lord. We have opportunities for the Lord. And so I want to look at four, what I'm calling four ministry lessons from these verses that follow that talk to us about ministry, because we all have ministry. We're all to be involved in ministry. If you know Christ as Savior, God wants to use you. God wants to work in you. He owns you. He wants to work through you. He gives you responsibilities. And of course, God gives you opportunities to accomplish what he wants for you. So let's note four ministry lessons. You might like to write these down in the margin. Number one, beware comparison. Beware comparison. Verse 12 says, for we don't dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. Paul talks here, kind of generally speaking, beware of the danger of comparing yourself to others. And then he says there are some who, who measure themselves by themselves. You can always look good if, you're just, if your standard is low enough. It can make you look good. If you compare yourself to someone else who's worse, you can look good. But in comparison to God, in comparison to holiness, we all fall short. And Paul is saying we have different ministries, all of us. And so we, wonder, we, we watch out for comparison because God has given us all different ministries. Your ministry will be different than mine. Many similarities, but different. I listened to some of um, our, our weekend, our teenagers were here this weekend. I listened to the speaker yesterday morning and great privilege to hear him talk about comparison. And by the way, I love to see God working in our teenagers very often, historically speaking, very often. Revive, almost always, revival starts among young people. And can I just say to those of you who are more in my category and maybe not so young, our role often, historically speaking, 
the role of those who are not so young often has been to try to stifle the work of God. That just often has been our role. How much better to, to watch God working in, in our young people and let that stir our hearts to say, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna be all you want us to be, God, and follow everything you have for us. And, but the speaker yesterday talked about the danger of comparison, and he talked about how you can get up and, you know, in the morning you see social media and evening you see social media and you just you're you get this the enemy loves to feed this lesson to you he loves to feed you this you'll never be as pretty as that person you'll never be as popular as they are you're not as athletic as that person your family's not look how beautiful their family is you know look how perfect everything in their life is by the way their 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 life's not perfect either they're not did you know you can smile on social media and, and make it look good on the outside. All we see is the skins outside the, man, that, that's not always the case. And the enemy just says, look, you can't be, God didn't make you to be anyone else. He made you to be you. And no one else in all the world can be the you God wants you to be. No one else in all the world. God has gifted you uniquely. God has called you uniquely. God uses you uniquely. God, man, he loves you, right? He, and he's never going to be satisfied to leave you where you are, but he loves you right where you are, right where you are. And so beware of comparison. The enemy loves to do that. How come, how come you're not more like this? And how come you don't do the things? And God wants to work in you. You make your comparison. What is it, God, you want from me? What is it you want to do in me, God? That's what I want. Not what, someone else, not what you're doing in someone else or not what someone else says. I want, to, I want to be the person you made me to be. I want to be the best version of that person. But I want to be the person you made to be, me to be. And you've given me a ministry. It's different than anyone else, but you have a ministry for me. Ministry lesson number two. Bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Verse 13 says, We, however, will not boast beyond measure, but according to the measure of the area of ministry. I love that little term, area of ministry. That God has assigned to us, which reaches even to you. So Paul's saying, God has given me a different assignment. He said to me, in effect, I have, here's the area of ministry, and I want you to serve here. And that included, he's saying, church at Corinth, that included you. So God put me here with you for a time, and I'm serving here with you. And God used that. He put me here, and so I tried to do the best I could under the circumstances and in the situation in which God placed me here in Corinth. Now, all of my uh, ministry life, I've heard something like this, very common here very common. I hear someone say something like this. I'm only going to be here for however long it is, a year, two years, three years, four years, whatever. I'm only going to be here for whatever years or time. So, and then I hear different endings to that sentence. So some people say, I'm only going to be here for whatever, three years, we'll say. I'm only going to be here for three years. You're in school, you're military, you're in some job in suburbia, you're going to retire, you're going, whatever it is that's coming. I'm only going to be here for three years, so some people end in that sentence by saying, so I'm just going to sit in the background and I'm just going to watch other people serve and I'll just not really jump in and I won't get connected and I, I'll tell you, I've heard that plenty of times. But there's an alternative. And I hear some people say, I'm, going to, I'm only going to be here for three years, so I'm not going to waste another day. And I'm going to get connected, and I'm going to serve, and I'm going to share, and I'm going to use my gifts, and I'm going to, I'm going to get involved, and I'm going to try to participate 
Now, you, it's the same amount of time. Either way, you end that sentence. It's the same amount of time. But what a difference in result. And I want to ask you to bloom where you're planted. Maybe, maybe God, I don't know how long God has you here. Maybe it's a year. Great. Why would you waste a year? I mean, maybe it's a lifetime. Great. Why would you waste a lifetime? Paul's saying, God, you know, Paul wasn't with the church of Corinth all the time. He, wasn't, he didn't stay there all the time. But God had him there for time. And so he planted and bloomed right there. He said, I'm going to use the time God has me here and the circumstances God has me in in order to bring glory to his name. And maybe God has you in that school or in that family or in that job for a reason. Maybe you won't stay in that school forever. Use your time well. Maybe you won't be in that job forever. Bloom where you're planted right there. Be a witness for the Lord right there. God has you in this season. Don't waste that time. And so the Bible is reminding us to bloom where we're planted. We have different assignments. And whatever assignment God gives to you, just right there, serve him there. Ministry lesson three, share the gospel. Share the gospel. We have different ministries and different assignments, but we have the same message. Verse 14 says, For we are not overextending ourselves as if we had not reached you, since we have come to you with the gospel of Christ. Paul didn't say, I came to you with the brilliance of my ideas or the winsomeness of my personality. He said, all I had to offer you was the gospel. That's all. And can I just tell you, that's all we have for you. If you, if you are coming here saying, I need your perfection, I need all, because you guys have it all together. Man, we're broken people too. It's the gospel that puts us together. It's the gospel that gives us hope. It's the message of the gospel that gives us purpose. That's what we have for you. That's what you need. That's all we have to offer, but that is what you need. God is the one who puts lives together. So we don't just come with our winsomeness or our programs or our personalities. God uses all those things. I'm glad God does. God, he uses you. You don't have to, I was such a refreshing day to realize God could use me. I didn't have to try to be someone else. But God is the one who does it and the gospel is the message we need. And so we say to you, what you need is the hope of the gospel. This God who loves you and cares about you and broke into the world on your behalf and cared about you as a broken human being offers you forgiveness and love and meaning and purpose. And then ministry lesson four, see the big picture. See the big picture. So in verse 15, Paul says, I, I'm not going to boast on other people's labors. And he's saying, on the contrary, we have the hope that as your faith increases, our area of ministry, there's that term again, our area of ministry will be greatly enlarged. He's saying, I, I want to use the opportunities I have now so that more opportunities in the future will come greatly enlarged, so that we may preach the gospel to the regions beyond you without boasting about what has already been done in someone else's ministry. He's saying, man, I'm praying for, for new opportunities, for new opportunities. And as I'm faithful here, God opens up new doors. And I'm praying for areas of ministry to be greatly enlarged. Here's, here's why I think the Lord just put on my heart to set these goals for our church. They're all things that we have done in the past, but we've spent so long talking about what we can't do. Have you been there? What you can't do. What we, the problems, the difficulties, the struggles. I just want us to think about what God can do in us. What God is able to do through us. 
God is bigger than the difficulties we face. God is able to work through the circumstances. In fact, I believe the circumstances of these past couple of years, God will use to help people see their need for him and depend upon something other than just themselves and their abilities and their talents. And I'm, I'm wondering if perhaps one of the reasons God is stirring our heart as he is in a church, in this church, is because God wants to help us to see the areas of, to enlarge the areas of ministry and to really to see that God is able to accomplish exceedingly, abundantly, beyond all we ask or think. And not just to see what we can't do, not just to see our problems, but to see what God is able to do through people like us. We have opportunities for the Lord. You have opportunities for the Lord. It's not, I know, you say, I got problems. I know, yeah. Welcome to humanity. Welcome to the fallen, broken world we live in. But you have opportunities from the Lord, and I want you to see that God is able to accomplish his purposes in and through you. And so we see a little of this reminder that God wants to use us because we have the ownership by the Lord and responsibilities from the Lord and opportunities for the Lord. But here's the fourth principle I want you to get. Don't miss this one. We have the love of the Lord. We have the love of the Lord. When we see this, this helps us to see how God is able to use us. In verse 17 and 18, talk to us about this. In verse 17, the Bible tells us it's not about what we do, but, but about what the Lord has done. Verse 17 says, so let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Paul just goes right back to the book of Jeremiah and he quotes it. He says, if you're going to boast, don't boast about yourself. Don't boast about your talents and abilities. He'll talk about that boasting among the so-called super apostles later. But he's saying, man, boast in the Lord. It's not about what we do. Social media just is about boasting, it seems. You know, how great we are, what wonderful things we've done, how much we've accomplished. Man, it's not about what we do. It's about what the Lord has done. When we see how little we've done in comparison, my youngest son, and he's a grown man now, but when he was a little boy, active in our young adults ministry here, but when he was a, like a little boy, little boy, somehow or another, he learned how to spell the word, the word uh, paleontologist. And he was so proud. He was a really little kid, and he learned how to say paleontologist. So like, he'd be talking to someone. It's like a parlor trick for him. He'd say to the to the, like to the adult or to the teenager or something, he'd say, I can spell paleontologist. And then he'd spell it for him. And he, he got to where he'd like open up conversations that way. That's how he connected with adults. He'd say, he'd go to an adult. Hello, I can spell paleontologist. That's the start of the conversation. And he'd spell it for him. Oh my, oh, great, wonderful. Little kid can spell paleontologist. And it was really neat. I mean, we, what a great spectacle. You know, he doesn't do that anymore. At least, I hope he doesn't do that anymore. I, I don't, I don't think people would be that impressed by him doing that as an adult now, really, right? That's not how you open up lines to make friends or, you know, to impress the girls or something. I can spell paleontologist. Good for you. It's a small thing in comparison. But when we boast to the Lord about these little small, small things, little things, as though, as though we can change lives and we can forgive sins and we can cleanse. God does that. And so we boast in him. Did you notice we pray, sang praise to God, not to you, not to me, to God. Our boast is in Him. It's not about what we do. It's what the Lord has done for us. And then notice that we aren't commended by our work, but by His grace. I love verse 18. For it's not the one committing himself who is approved, but the one the Lord commends. Here's what the Bible's saying. 
God, does, God doesn't love you more because of what you do. Christian, I want you to get this. God doesn't love us more because we serve. We serve because he loves us. God doesn't love us more because we share the gospel with someone. We share the gospel with others because God loves us. God doesn't love us more because we give. We give because God loves us. We recognize it's, it's grace. The, the very word grace means it's not deserved and not earned. We can't merit it, deserve it. But God just gives it. He loves us, not because of what we can do, but because he chooses to love us. And because he loves, and listen, because he loves us. That's why we serve. It changes the motivation for why we do what we do. And we begin to see that God can use us because he owns us. We, are, we belong to him, and we, he gives us responsibilities and authority to make an impact for him. We, he puts opportunities in our lives and gives us ministry lessons and opportunities to learn, but he loves us. He loves us by his grace. And God in heaven in salvation has just write his name. Right, He writes it right on our heart and we become his. And we boast in the Lord, not in our goodness, in him. And we point people not to us, but to him, not to our programs or to him so that he's glorified. Some of you have never trusted Christ as Savior, and maybe you thought, if I could, I could be good enough, I'll, the, the gospel message, the point of the gospel is that you can't self-improve to perfection. Only God can do that. And he takes you where you are, not, you don't have to clean yourself up, you can't clean yourself up. He takes you where you are, and if you will trust Christ as Savior, turn from yourself in sin and give your life to Christ, he'll save you. Christ died to pay the penalty for your sins. He rose from the grave and provided the miracle you need. If you will trust him as Savior, he'll forgive you. Just come as you are, and he'll save you. Christian, would you say, God, I, 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 I want to believe that you can use me, not just that you can use people, but that you want to use me to make an impact in this world. You have me here for a reason. So God, open my heart, open my eyes, help me to see I belong to you and all that comes with that so that I give glory and honor to you. Bow with me for a word of prayer. Father, I want to thank you for the work you do in and through us. There are some here who need to be saved and they're watching online or they're here in person or they're listening to this in some other way. And I pray, Lord, you'll help them to see they need you as Savior. And I pray they will trust you and find forgiveness in Christ and find the deep love that you offer. They'll find redemption and adoption. Lord, I'm praying for Christians who will recognize that you want to use them, not just generally speaking people, but specifically each one of us to make an impact for your glory, to make a lasting difference for your glory. And I thank you, you're big enough to do that in and through us. And so, Father, help us to boast in you. All the glory goes to you. You're the one who saves. You're the one who forgives. You're the one who loves. We could do nothing without you, but we thank you. You love us so much that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. For this, we give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.